We all know that scene in the movies. It's the bad guys versus the good guys in a long, drawn-out gunfight inside a damp, dimly lit parking garage, or an alley, where nobody has had to reload because the characters never seem to run out of ammo. Bullets are flying, our main hero guy, uh, let's call him Dave, is down. Just when things start looking really grim, Dave suddenly appears behind the bad guys and takes them all down. Thanks to his new and improved bulletproof vest, Dave is completely unharmed and will live to hunt bad guys in the future. As entertaining as these scenes are, we all know they're often more than a little unrealistic in certain aspects, especially compared to actual combat. However, changes in armor technology are making these scenes look more realistic from a body armor standpoint. In this episode, we'll be talking about some of the ins and outs of some awesome new body armor being developed by the Naval Research Laboratory. I'm your host, MC2 Sonia Wickard, and welcome back to Ears Adrift. Scientists and researchers at the Naval Research Laboratory, NRL for short, have been working on a new type of body armor to one day be issued to service members. For many years, there were efforts to make armor better. Joining us is Mike Rowland, a senior scientist for Soft Matter, NRL's chemistry division. And so an example is for armor-piercing uh, bullets, uh, they're very difficult to defeat. Uh, ordinary steel won't, won't do it unless it's extremely thick. And, and if it's too thick, it's too heavy. So you have to use ceramic. Well, the problem with ceramic is it, it initially defeats the incoming armor-piercing round, but then it shatters, so it's gone. By shaping ceramic into spheres and embedding them into rubber, NRL scientists have found a way to get multi-hit protection from armor-piercing bullets. You wouldn't think that something made of nearly the same material as the coffee cup and bouncy ball that your Nana gave you for your 10th birthday would be effective in stopping a regular bullet, let alone an armor-piercing one. And so there's literally hundreds of different types of rubber We've identified approximately six that greatly enhance the performance of armor. So one wouldn't, it's counterintuitive to think that a soft rubbery material would slow down or affect the uh, uh, transmission of a bullet through steel, but in fact there's a handful of rubbers that do and they make the steel more effective. So we can either use less steel and have lighter armor or simply have more effective armor. Simply put, covering steel with a few millimeters of a certain type of rubber greatly enhances the stopping power of that material, for the simplest, most common bullets at least. So what happens when you aren't dealing with regular bullets, which is already a bad situation to be in, body armor or not? Uh, if you go to other types of, uh, of ammunition you want to defeat, armor-piercing round, for example, incendiary rounds. There's, there's lots of different types of ammo, higher levels of threat. We have to do more than just use a couple millimeters of rubber. So we, we will incorporate, for example, ceramic in different forms within the rubber. We're not talking about your average rubber chicken here. So we're looking at the, the properties of materials under extreme conditions that can be very high This pressure, is Daniel Fragiodakis, an NRL research physicist. Many materials behave in very different and unexpected ways under these conditions than they do the usual pressures and temperatures that we're used to seeing them. And we try to use these changes to, uh, to make more effective armor, to provide more effective protection to, uh, to personnel, to vehicles, to building, and protection from impact, protection from blast, or even from extreme heat. 
on their own, rubber and ceramic provide significant enhancements to armor. By using them in combination, NRL scientists were able to achieve even higher levels of performance. More bang for your buck, if you will. In some cases, you're trying to stop the bullet from penetrating because you're trying to protect what's behind the armor. Other cases, the, uh, the structure's holding maybe a pressurized gas, chlorine, ammonia, hydrogen, and you don't want that to leak out when the bullet goes through. So in that case, you're not trying to stop the bullet, you're just trying to seal it. Uh, some cases, you want the armor to be transparent. Obvious example being a windshield. Yep, you heard that right, transparent armor. One particular polymer NRL is working with doesn't rely on chemical curing, meaning it stays transparent. Adding chemical curatives to a polymer allows the polymer to harden into a shape, like a tire. So we can get to the same kind of properties, but in the transparent rubber. Um, helmets are a different situation because there you're concerned more about blast resistance, uh, traumatic brain injury from the effects of the pressure wave on the brain. Uh, ballistics is important, ballistic protection, but the main one for helmets is protection from bomb blasts. And so there we have to do other things. So we incorporate other things into the rubber. So the rubber still does what it does, but now there are other elements, structures in the rubber that are dissipating energy, deflecting the wave, so we get uh, a higher level of performance. We're not even at the coolest part, guys. Not only is this armor transparent, it's also self-healing. There is one particular material that's in our small group of materials that work well that doesn't rely on chemical cross-linking, chemical curing. We don't have to add uh, curatives to it. So it starts out transparent like all polymers do, but uh, it becomes a solid, becomes permanent shape by virtue of some crystallinity forming, some crystallites forming. And these crystallites are so small, they don't scatter light, so the material is still transparent. So we're taking advantage of what's an inherent property of polymers, they're transparent, but we're not losing that by the curing process. And that's unique to this one material. So as a result, we have a transparent uh, coating. So if you put that on glass, now you've got transparent armor. But a second advantage that didn't drive us initially, but it was pretty obvious early on, that uh, because a chemical crosslink is permanent. You can't undo it. The chemistry takes place and you're stuck with that shape. You can't take your tire and mold it into a different shape. That doesn't work. But if it's a crystallites in the material that give it its shape, you can melt those crystallites and reshape it. Reheating the crystals in the coating to above their melting point allows them to reform. Although this feature is still in the early stages of testing, how incredible is it that somebody in the field could potentially repair their armor just by applying a little heat? Better break out those ironing boards, people. In all seriousness, this could potentially change combat and the way we see armor, armored vehicles, and efficiency in self-defense. These changes are happening in 2020, but imagine where we'll be at in 2030, 2040, 2050, 2060, or 2070. Well, folks, that's it for this episode of Ears Adrift. Keep us on your radar and keep posted for new episodes each month. You can listen to us on your favorite podcast outlets, our Facebook page, or on our website at www.ah.mil. Thanks again for tuning in. I'm MC2, Sonia Wickard. Ooh.